Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Welcome to Keep the Faith, dear friends, once again. It is astonishing that America and the British Commonwealth are facing multiple cascading crises on many fronts. Today we are going to look at those cascading crises in as a whole. We can look at the history of Rome and see the same things happening today that took down Rome. Whatever the case, the best way to defend yourself against the coming collapse of Western society is to align yourself with heaven and be loyal to the principles that heaven has given us. If you want to be under God's protection, you have to follow his counsel. So let us begin with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we are at the mercy of forces that are adversarial to you in this world. But since you are the God that raises the humble and humbles the proud, we ask that you will humble us and protect us from the sinful elements and the pull of this world that will destroy us if they can. We plead for your mercy, and as we study this subject today concerning the fall of the Roman Empire, we ask you to impress our minds with where we are today. We want to understand, so please give us your Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and inform us and transform us so that we will be loyal to you through all things to come. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4. You remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the image. After the Chaldeans, astrologers, magicians, and soothsayers failed to interpret the dream, Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, because the spirit of the holy gods was in him, came to the king and interpreted the stunning dream. Then in chapter 4, the king had another dream, a strange dream that applied to Nebuchadnezzar personally, which the Chaldeans and astrologers and their colleagues couldn't interpret either. Then Daniel came in, interpreted the bad news, and gave Nebuchadnezzar some counsel. It's in verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Nebuchadnezzar was allowed some time to put away his sins. But when Nebuchadnezzar, twelve months later, spoke proudly and bragged of his accomplishments, the prophecy was fulfilled. We will read verses 30 to 32. The king spake and said, 
Is not this great Babylon which I have built for the house of my kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, And he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. God sets up kingdoms and takes them down. Listen to Daniel's musing on the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, 20-21. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons, and he removeth kings, and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. God still does this, and he predicted hundreds and even thousands of years in advance what was to come in the future with a precision that defied human logic. It is astonishing that people today reject the Bible and the truth of God to their own hurt and destruction. Fulfilled prophecy is inspiring proof that God's power and his guiding hand are in world events. And God will take measures so that men, whether they be in high positions or low, whether they be rich or poor, whether they are righteous or wicked, will know that God is the one who guides the affairs of men and determines the outcome. Notice what Nebuchadnezzar said in chapter 4, 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar finally got it. After the seven years of living like an animal, he was restored to his throne, and he acknowledged God who rules in truth. God loved him and gave him an experience that would convert his heart. Do you think God can do that to rulers today? He can if they will let him. Today we are living in an era of deception and control. Political leaders lie to the people. Economic leaders lie to the people. The mass media lies to the people. As a common person, you have no chance to know the truth unless you are studying scripture and applying the principles found in it to your life. Then and only then are you free to believe and act in the way of truth and righteousness. 
Then and only then can you understand the depth of the deceptions that are swirling around us. The Bible tells us that God raised up Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, and also predicted their fall and the fall of many others in the pages of Scripture. The predictions were fulfilled as they are foretold with stunning accuracy. It does not end well for those who do not believe them. God is amazing. Listen to this from Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. God tells us that he himself is the God of prophecy. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God does not tell falsehoods or make predictions that won't happen unless people meet the conditions for escaping the disaster. The Roman Empire was symbolized by the legs of iron in the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream in chapter 2. In verse 40, Daniel describes this Roman Empire as of iron. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. Roma's military juggernaut conquered the existing world at that time. Rome was straddling the world with imposing force and brutality. It seemed like there was no stopping her. She was victorious wherever her military went. She consolidated many peoples and lands into her empire. It was as if Rome was invincible, and the people of Rome believed that Rome would never be overthrown or fall. They thought it would go on eternally. In fact, they called the city of Rome the Eternal City. They were lulled to sleep by the belief in the seeming eternity and superiority of their system in the long history of military and economic successes. Despite repeated threats to their existence, they always seemed to manage to come out victorious. God predicted and then orchestrated the rise of America, too. That's found in Revelation thirteen eleven through 14 Not only that, he predicted the age of deception that America would bring to the planet. Listen. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword, and did live. 
We are only at the beginning stages of the deceptions that America will bring upon the world. America has been a stronghold of truth and freedom, and God raised it up to nurture and develop his unique and final message to the world, including the sanctuary message and the seventh-day Sabbath. Satan is aiming to take that message down. But he first has to make America a bastion of oppression and deception. Then he will be free to attack the three angels' messages and all that they stand for. It will be labeled misinformation or disinformation. Those who proclaim it will be punished severely. America is getting ready and putting measures in place for that right now. America has been the leader in the development of the worldwide response to the pandemic, for instance. And the push for labeling misinformation and disinformation, even though it is truthful, is on. It's very easy to see that these labels can be misapplied to the truth. In fact, the labels can be misinformation and disinformation themselves. Nothing can be more evil than developing some sort of injection that destroys lives and makes people prone to, to disease and death before they have a chance to hear the message and call opposition to it misinformation and disinformation. America, unexpectedly to most, has been in the forefront of developing deceptions in these last days. This is quite the opposite of what America was intended to be. But as America declines, she loses credibility with other world powers. She will think that she has to show them that she has supernatural powers to build up her strength and reputation again. She will be in league with the Pope of Rome and will claim to have spiritual power. The Bible says she will have power to do miracles to convince the world of her preeminence. But God also predicted that the American Empire would fall too. When she collaborates with Papal Rome to persecute God's Sabbath keepers, that will be the signal that America's fall is very near. It is always deadly to any nation or empire and to religious freedom to cooperate and collaborate with Rome. For Rome squeezes them and drains their economic lifeblood by her policies and her political meddling. For Rome wants to advantage herself and build herself up above all nations at their own expense. If you think about it, Rome is responsible for much of the decline of the American economic, cultural, and social power and influence already. Through the state welfare system, which Rome has nurtured and cultivated, and through wealth di distribution, America has been greatly diminished in its power and glory. The American Republic became an empire too. It was not an empire that was primarily based on military might, but it was an empire of influence and ideas. America achieved unprecedented influence in the world, on Western societies especially, but it served to check the ambitions of other societies too, including the papacy. 
America symbolizes the decay and rot in every Western society today. And it's worth noting that mostly what applies to America applies to all of the Western world. The Roman Empire attained military and territorial achievements, but she also attained staggering wealth, unmatched architecture and technology, a legal system worth emulating, and a profound and broad cultural influence. By the way, she got that from Greece. America has done much the same, but the great majority of Romans became complacent, unconcerned, self-absorbed, distracted, and addicted to luxury, ease, and entertainment. America has been a leader in technology, architecture, and profound wealth, and has developed an unprecedented legal code. But also, America is rotting from inside economically, militarily, culturally, and morally. Even its legal structures are being dismantled, the majority of its people are as unconcerned as the Romans were. They are addicted to entertainment and leisure. They are self-absorbed and distracted by worldliness and luxury. Seneca, the famous Roman senator, predicted the fall of the Roman Empire. No one paid attention to him. Few today are willing to see that the same conditions exist in Western countries around the world, and they refuse to think the unthinkable, that their countries could be overthrown by a hostile force, whether they be military, economic, social, or cultural. The famous author Edward Gibbon, in his book Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, identifies four major causes that contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire. The breakdown of the family, an insatiable craving for pleasure, increased taxation, and unsustainable buildup of the military and armaments. Will Durant, the famous historian, wrote, a great civilization is not conquered from without until it has destroyed itself within. The height of power and glory that Rome had achieved were truly staggering, but the mighty, impregnable Rome fell anyway. God does not predict the rise and fall of nations and kings arbitrarily. He watches the decisions of the people, or rather, Way in advance, even thousands of years, he sees what will happen and the decisions that will be made, and he rewards or punishes them based on the righteousness or wickedness of their actions. America and the British Empire, or the nations that make up the bulk of the Western world, are in the evening of their power because of the sins of their peoples. Rest assured, America is not going away until she has fulfilled the prophecy of Revelation thirteen, eleven through 17. In fact, as she declines, she will feel the need to exercise her power more and will enact measures and laws to oppress the people and will enlist spiritualism to do miracles to convince the world that she is still a major power. So let's examine a little more deeply the fall of Rome and the reasons for it.
First of all is the fall of the family. History shows that the enduring nature of any nation depends on the strength of its families. The family is the solid rock on which the foundation of a country's superstructure is erected. Rome in its heyday was affluent and had the mightiest army on earth, but by that time it had lost its families to a large extent. Divorce was rampant. Licentiousness dominated Roman society. Today, strong marriages are scarce. Many people aren't even marrying at all. And same-sex marriage is now federally mandated in America and redefining the very definition of this fundamental institution. Four in ten children are born out of wedlock. Many more grow up in neglectful homes. Disintegration of marriage is rampant. Marriage is not seen as a permanent institution till death do us part. The decline of the family in society is clearly having the same devastating effect on us that it had on ancient Rome. In early Rome, children were taught that it is virtuous to have an honorable character, sterling morals, irreproachable values, lofty goals, self-control, and loyalty. Philip Van Ness Myers wrote in his book, Rome, Its Rise and Fall, first at the bottom, as it were, of Roman society and forming its ultimate unit was the family. The most important feature or element of this family group was the authority of the father. Rome was built on stable families led by the father, who was its nucleus. He led his children as an example of the virtues they were to develop. America started out that way, too. Strong, stable families were the bedrock of early America, and the family led by the father was an enterprise that cooperated together. The virtues that the children learned were hard work, honesty, loyalty, and respect for authority. Myers continues to describe the father-led families. It would be difficult to overestimate the influence of this group upon the history and destiny of Rome. It was the cradle of at least some of the splendid virtues of the early Romans that contributed so much to the strength and greatness of Rome, and that helped to give her dominion of the world. The exercise of parental authority in the family taught the Roman how to command as well as how to obey how to exercise authority with wisdom, moderation, and justice. Today, with so many broken homes, so many fatherless children, it, is it any wonder that there is so little obedience and respect, a disdain for hard work and disloyalty and deception? Families should stick together and cultivate love if they want to continue having the benefits of a productive society. Listen to this from Matthew 19, verses 4 to 6. These verses take on a new meaning in this context. Jesus was giving the formula for a successful society and nation as well as a family. 
And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Families should hang on tightly. The Roman Republic grew to great power when families were intact and the fathers fed and educated their own children, even though they didn't have a biblical basis for the family model. It undergirded society and gave it a strength that led to wealth and power. The American Republic had a strong basis and foundation in the family, just as the Roman Republic did. But it was stronger because of the biblical foundation that the people valued and upheld. But the Romans, as today's America, became less committed to the family when they were in the height of power. A new marriage morality built around divorce and licentiousness was one of the contributing factors to the long, slow decline of the nation and the empire. And today, like the Roman Republic, America has gone so far as to disrespect the marriage institution as God gave it, providing a legal basis for alternatives and even perversions. Will Durant wrote, It began the transformation of Roman life and morals by herding agriculture and helping trade, by taking men from the countryside and teaching them the violence of the battle and the promiscuity of the camp. It was a pivotal event for almost every phase of Roman history. As marriage became less and less respected, various deviations became acceptable, like homosexuality and prostitution. Motherhood also fell out of favor, and women became devalued and sexualized. This caused a desire for independence, which resulted in feminism. Children began to be viewed as a burden. Caesar Augustus saw the trend, and it alarmed him. How can the commonwealth be preserved if we neither marry nor produce children, he asked the senate. Tacitus wrote, childlessness prevailed. Abortion and even infanticide were widely practiced. Fathers became complacent and indulged their children to the point that they were bleeding themselves financially to gratify the expensive whims of their youngsters. In turn, their offspring became a generation of idlers and wastrels. That's from The Daily Life of Rome by Jerome Carcopino. Do you think we suffer from the same things today? Does any of this sound familiar? Second, Rome established a welfare state over time that grew and grew until it eventually crashed the economy. The early Roman Republic was built on the self-sufficiency of the individual. One of the most important lessons we can learn from Rome is that 
people who forfeit their virtuous character for government handouts will not keep their liberties. Government that is by the people and for the people is under the control of the people. And the people are free. But if government begins to hand out goodies, it eventually grows in power over the people and enslaves them. During the height of the Republic, Rome would occasionally distribute subsidized grain to its poorer classes. During the many wars of the Roman Republic, many families lost their father for a time to the military campaign. So families became poor and sold their land to wealthy senators who were rich and powerful. The senators, in turn, distributed grain to keep their political standing, and they kept buying farms and distributing grain. The government largess got bigger and bigger that eventually the welfare state became an institutionalized element of the government, paving the way for a dictator. By the time of Julius Caesar, one-third of the city of Rome's population was on the dole. A series of emperors based their political power on the huge handouts that they made to the people who had become addicted to them and Rome gradually transitioned from a republic to an empire. Listen to this quote from Henry Haskell's book, The New Deal in Old Rome, how government in the ancient world tried to deal with modern problems. Less than a century after the republic had faded into the autocracy of the empire, the people had lost all taste for democratic institutions. On the death of an emperor, the Senate debated the question of restoring the Republic, but the commons preferred the rule of an extravagant despot who would continue to dole and furnish them with free stuff. The mob outside clambered for one ruler of the world people became dependent on the government. When the people gave up their self-reliance and enterprise, the Roman Republic transitioned to the Roman Empire with big government largess and the bloated political class. The absence of self-sufficiency caused the Roman Empire to fall into decay and ruin, and it is doing the same today. America was once populated with a free and independent people. They were self-reliant and independent. But like Rome, America is now a welfare state with a large dependent population. The result is that it is decaying from within, rotting at its core. By the way, along with this, the Emperor Nero reduced the amount of silver in the coins so he could mint more coins with less silver. Thus, he debased the currency and made many people poor through hyperinflation. Successive emperors continued the practice until the Roman coin was a bronze coin with a veneer of thin silver. Listen to this quote from Michael Rostovzev in his book, A History of the Ancient World, Rome, 
To crown all these calamities, the emperors, in their need for money, issued a vast quantity of coin. Not possessing enough of the precious metals for these issues, they alloyed the gold with silver, the silver with copper, and the copper with lead, thus debasing the coinage and ruining in the end men who had once been rich. This measure cut at the root of trade and industry. The government mint in the 3rd century became a vast manufactory of base coin. It is no wonder that a social and economic crisis of extreme severity was brought about by these conditions. All this resulted in increasing taxes until they became so heavy that many people gave up and abandoned their lands in order to avoid taxes. It was easier to become dependent on government entitlements. Increasingly, tax riots then afflicted Rome. It is important to note that the Roman Catholic Church advocates that governments increasingly hand out money to the poor, thus slowly returning the nations to the condition of the medieval system and bankrupting the nations. Listen to what the prophet Amos says in chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. For as much, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, and ye take from him burdens of wheat, ye have built houses of hewn stone, but ye shall not dwell in them. Ye have planted pleasant vineyards, but ye shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, They afflict the just, they take a bribe, and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Third, excessive and unsustainable military spending. The Bible prophesied that Rome would become great and with a powerful and formidable military. Let's read it in Daniel 7, verse 7. After this I saw it in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast— dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. By the end of the reign of Caesar Augustus in AD 14, the Roman army had 250,000 men consisting of 25 legions and 250 militias. At that time, they were paid 225 denarii a year. This pay remained consistent until A.D. 81, when Emperor Domitian raised the yearly salary to 300 denarii. Subsequent emperors raised the wages regularly to an estimated 650 denarii eventually. This nearly doubled the number of legions over time, swelling from 33 under Severus to 64 under Constantine. The United States is doing the same thing. Over the last 60 years, America's military budget ranged from $100 billion to $300 billion. 
but since the year 2000, it has increased to over $770 billion. Listen to this from Scientific American. By the Department of Defense's own accounting, taxpayers spent $13.4 trillion on the U.S. military from 2000 through the fiscal year 2019 in inflation-adjusted 2020 dollars. Add to that another $3.18 trillion for the Veterans Administration, and the yearly average comes to a whopping $826 billion. That's a lot of money to support the military and its services to keep it running. That's more than any other nation on earth. But the United States has not won a single war during this time. The Bible prophesies what happens to nations that become proud. In Leviticus 26, 19-20, we read, And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. Do you think America will bankrupt itself by increasing military spending as well as other types of spending? Rome's bloated military budget caused inefficiency and demoralization among the ranks of the soldiers. The emperors had to essentially bribe the soldiers and pamper them. Listen to this from Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery's book, A History of Warfare. To maintain his power, every emperor in the 3rd century had to bribe and pamper the soldiers. In the 60 years following the death of Commodus, no less than 21 emperors rose and fell. It was a period of anarchy and misery, during which the army terrorized the civil life of the empire while becoming demoralized and inefficient, and the security of the frontiers was lost forever. A disastrous inflation was largely caused by the continual increases in pay which the emperors had to give the army if they were to keep their thrones. Behind the military was the Praetorian Guards. These were the personal bodyguards of the emperor, and they managed the accession to power. Therefore, they were in position to give the empire to the highest bidder, and whoever offered them the greatest financial incentives became the emperor. Rome was plagued by politics, and the political leadership became weak and insipid. The Bible prophesies that this will happen to nations who were once great. Let's read Isaiah 3, 1-5. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, and the prudent, and the ancient, the captain of fifty, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator, 
and I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Fourth, the insatiable demand for pleasure and leisure. William Stearns Davis wrote that the Pax Romana, or the long period of Roman peace, made possible the greatest luxury, the most active commercial life the world ever saw. This fueled entertainments of every kind. As the public craving for entertainment and amusement surpassed any earlier empire and is perhaps matched only in the modern age, the Romans were once a society built on ambition, industry, virtue, discipline, and duty. But they became obsessed with amusement, and the decline and fall of the eternal city began. The careless, excessive self-indulgence, self-seeking, and hedonism, while the greatest problems demanded the greatest effort and sacrifice, put Rome on the trail of decline and assured that it would fall sooner or later. The decadent society was the precursor to doom. Rome's affluence was suicidal. Entertainment was cheap, and there was plenty of it. Will Durant wrote the following. Recitations, lectures, concerts, mimes, plays, athletic contests, prize fights, horse races, chariot races, mortal combats of men with men or beasts, not quite sham naval battles on artificial lakes, never was a city more bountifully amused. Edward Gibbon wrote of the voluminous holidays in Rome, which were dedicated to games, plays, and other amusements in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. From the morning to the evening, careless of the sun or uh, or the rain, the spectators who sometimes amounted to the number of 400,000, the capacity of Rome's Circus Maximus, remained in eager attention, their eyes fixed on the horses and charioteers, their minds agitated with the hope and fear for the success of the colors which they espoused, and the happiness of Rome appeared to hang on the event of a race. The Romans were fanatics for games, and likewise Western societies have all manner of sports today, from football to soccer, from basketball to cricket. We are crazed about games, and huge numbers of us indulge ourselves to watch them. For example, the NFL game between Dallas and New York on Thanksgiving Day was watched by 138 million viewers, That's 12 million more than the previous record set in 2016. It was the most watched NFL game in history. Young people are obsessed with entertainment. Netflix has 213 million subscribers. Amazon Prime has 175 million. 
Disney Plus has 118 million, and other services have additional share. People consume lifetimes of entertainment every day. Video games now can have spectators, and consumers spent $44 billion in gaming software in 2021. Roman appetite for increasing violence led to much enthusiasm for the gladiators. And many public entertainments included wild animals killing men and women who were condemned to death for various offenses, including for being Christians. But even more cruel and sadistic means of execution awaited the condemned. Rodney Stark, in his book How the West Won, wrote, Besides being fed to animals, people were executed in the arenas in a variety of sadistic ways, flogging, burning, skinning, impaling, dismemberment, and even crucifixion. But these amusements had more impact than just entertaining the people. They influenced the public morals. Will Durant wrote, The games of the circus and the amphitheater and coarsen the taste of the public. The luxury, self-indulgence, and extravagance led to the spread of immorality and perversion and the lust for sex and violence. Philip Van Ness Myers, in his book Rome, Its Rise and Fall, wrote, Almost from the beginning, the Roman stage was gross and immoral. It was one of the main agencies to which must be attributed the undermining of the originally sound moral life of Roman society. The same today with Hollywood, the violence is notorious. The simulated brutality is everywhere on the silver screen, and people want to see it up close and in spectacular detail and realism. So the film screen is presented that way. Video games that tend to include violence involve almost 100% of youth and many adults as well. Many of them are nothing short of the gladiators that kill each other with ultra-violent and grisly acts of mayhem and murder. They learn nothing but contempt for human life and dignity. When affluence dominates a society, its people sacrifice their moral character, and social and societal corruption rot and decline sets in. Maybe it's God's way of dealing with a nation or empire when it has gone to extremes in extravagance and immorality. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, God has to remove them from humanity so their poison doesn't spread beyond their own borders. America's addiction to entertainment, violence, and immorality is one of the factors that is threatening America and Western societies. They will do the unthinkable. They will call evil good and good evil. And most Americans, and for that matter, most people living in Western societies, can't be bothered to try and fix it. America's decline is partly due to the fixation with entertainment, including violence and sex. 
We are living at the end of time, and the following scripture is especially pertinent. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Friends, the glory days of America are over. America and the rest of the Western world is on a death spiral, inflicting wounds on herself and decaying at the core. Many people don't notice it and think that America can back, get back to normal and that the good old times can continue. But they can't. In fact, America has become complacent and people in power especially don't have the character required to make it right again. And the majority of the people don't care because they are submerged in addictions and escapism. Your character can be different. It can be a light and strength to the community around you so that when the Holy Spirit is poured out in the latter rain, you will be in a position to lead many of them to the Savior. If you let Christ remodel your character... He will make it so attractive and pure that people will be astonished and will want to know how you got it. And you can tell them that a relationship with Christ is the only solution to escape the coming maelstrom. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we see the decline in the decay happening around us in every area. While many people are cynical and most people don't care as long as they are fed, clothed, and have roof over their heads and are entertained, you are preparing your people to arise and shine at a time of great darkness. Please sanctify our characters and make us ready to give the last warning message under the power of the latter rain. Forgive our sins and wash us in the blood of the Lamb that we may be right with heaven and be ready for the cataclysmic events that are about to befall this world. Send your Holy Spirit to be with us today and every day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called Live Out Thy Life Within Me, played by Henry Higgins. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Day by Day. If you would like a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid, and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 USD. Be sure and mention the Day by Day CD. The following is our Prophetic Intelligence Briefing, a feature that brings you current events in the light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month New categories of products to be locked behind glass in stores like Walmart. As a consumer, there is no more frustrating situation than wanting to purchase a product and having to search for many aisles to locate a store employee to unlock the case that protects that product from theft. This has been the procedure for a long time when shopping for some of the smaller high-dollar products like video cameras, cell phones, and video games. However, Stores like Walmart, CVS, and Walgreens are starting to lock up entire product categories of more common and less expensive items in their store locations. This is frustrating shoppers and causing decreases in those products' sales revenue because consumers are finding alternative means to purchase those products rather than spending their valuable time playing the employee hide-and-seek game. According to Yahoo, the 2022 National Retail Security Survey from the National Retail Federation, NRF, found that retail shrink, the loss of inventory from things other than sales, now amounts to a nearly $100 billion problem. That's a lot of shoplifting going on out there. And for upstanding citizens, it is hard to fathom stealing any item from a retailer, never mind $100 billion worth of items. That said, recently we have been living through a pandemic, inflation, and an impending economic recession. Some believe that this is the true cause of these additional thefts, where normal law-abiding people switch behaviors by adding five-finger discounts to their weekly shopping agenda. The aforementioned assumption, however, likely isn't the cause. The root of the problem stems from an uptick in organized retail crime. According to National Retail Federation survey cited by Yahoo, the main driver of the shrinkage is organized retail crime, ORC incidents, which the average retailer saw increase by 26.5% in 2021, according to the survey. That's right, locally organized crime syndicate groups are responsible for the hassle of more products being under lock and key at your local Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS. These groups have been targeting product categories such as apparel, electronics, health and beauty accessories, and footwear. Using retail locking cases to showcase products while also eliminating the theft of those products is a retailer's last resort option. But that is the corner these retailers are being put into with the staggering increases in theft creating the need for these loss mitigation steps. It's the last resort step because studies show that when this method of protection is used at a retail location, 
the protected product sales will drop anywhere from 15% to 25% immediately when it moves from open shelves to locked cases. Some of that is due to frustrated customers either not feeling comfortable having a store associate unlock the case or giving up because they can't locate an associate quickly enough and just move on. When the pandemic started, most of our society that had been previously hesitant to do any shopping online started to get comfortable with buying products that were traditionally reserved for in-store purchases. This has opened consumers to many alternative ways to get some of these types of products. For example, if I needed to buy shaving razors that in the past would have gone on the weekly grocery list and shopped for at the local grocery store, but now I can go online to sites such as Dollar Shave Club or Harry's and order their products and have them shipped directly to my door. That sounds a lot more appealing than hunting down a Walmart worker like a lion would a gazelle in the Serengeti just to get them to unlock the straight razor case in the hygiene section. That already difficult task is only going to become more difficult with even more products being under lock and key at these retailers. The chains like Walmart and others affected by the surge in organized retail crime need to come up with new security solutions before customers completely abandon going to the retail locations because of the hassle. Quote, there are not many, even among educators and statesmen, who comprehend the causes that underlie the present state of society. Those who hold the reins of government are not able to solve the problem of moral corruption, poverty, pauperism, and increasing crime. They are struggling in vain to place business operations on a more secure basis. If men would give more heed to the teaching of God's word, they would find a solution of the problems that perplex them. Councils for the Church, page 38. Next, largest satanic gathering in history. SatanCon targets another city that didn't allow their invocation. The Satanic Temple, TST, is advertising its second convention to be held in Boston, Massachusetts this spring as the largest satanic gathering in history. The convention known as SatanCon 2023 will be held on April 28th through 30th and is being promoted as a weekend of blasphemy and remembrance in Boston. The theme of the convention is Hexanot in Boston, or Witch's Night, an ancient German holiday that occurs annually on April 30th. Even though tickets are already on sale, the actual location for the event, speakers, or vendors has not been announced. According to the event's website, the convention is dedicated to Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, for her unconstitutional efforts to keep TST out of Boston's public spaces. Based in Salem, Massachusetts, the group had requested to fly a satanic flag over Boston City Hall after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the last May that the city violated the free speech rights of a conservative activist seeking to fly a Christian flag on a pole outside the downtown building. TST tweeted a copy of the request filed with the City Property Management Department to raise a flag marking Satanic Appreciation Week scheduled in July. There has been no response from the city on the TST's flag request. The city has said it stopped flying flags in 2021. TST also sued the Boston City Council in January of 2021. 
arguing that the council violated the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and the Free Exercise Clause of the Massachusetts Constitution by not inviting the Satanists to pray before their meetings. Founded in 2013, TST says it doesn't believe in Satan, but describes itself as a non-theistic religious organization that advocates for secularism. On its website, under the question, Do You Worship Satan?, in the Frequently Asked Questions section, TST answers, No, nor do we believe in the existence of Satan or the supernatural. TST claims it has a Boston area membership of 2,449 people. As CBN News reported last February, TST held its first convention in Scottsdale, Arizona. The Satanic Temple had announced it would hold its first convention in Scottsdale after it lost a lawsuit against the city in 2018 for not being allowed to give an invocation at one of the city council meetings in 2016. Events scheduled at the convention included Satanic Jeopardy and an off-site impurity ball. Other scheduled sessions included Devil's Food with the Satanic Chef, using the Freedom of Information Act and other public records to fight Satanic panic and abortion as a religious right. The group also made headlines over the last year as it tried to install its after-school Satan Club in several elementary schools across the country, drawing the anger of many parents. The club was created by the Satanic Temple and began to gain national attention in 2016. According to their website, the group's sole purpose is to give students an alternative to Christian evangelical after-school clubs. Quote, in Paul's second epistle to the Thessalonians, he exhorts to be on guard and not depart from the faith. He speaks of Christ's coming as an event to immediately follow the work of Satan in spiritualism in these words. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Confrontation, page 91. Next, tremors continue to jolt Northern California following deadly earthquake. A 3.3 magnitude earthquake shook the San Francisco Bay Area hours after an earlier tremor and days after a deadly Northern California trembler, the U.S. Geological Survey reports. The three-mile-deep quake hit near Union City at 6.22 p.m. Wednesday, December 21, according to the USGS. About 1,600 people from as far away as Chico and Los Banos reported feeling the tremor to the agency. Quote, A little shaking in the East Bay just a few moments ago, wrote one resident on Twitter. Felt it here in Union City, big jolt, read another post. That was quite a quick quake in Union City, a third Twitter post read. The earthquake follows a 2.9 magnitude tremor north of San Leandro, east of Oakland, at 8.30 a.m. Wednesday morning, felt by more than 1,000 people. A 6.4 magnitude tremor struck about 8 miles west of the small city of Ferndale, population 1,400, in Humboldt County at 2.30 a.m., Tuesday, December 20, the Sacramento Bee reported. Two people died and a dozen were hurt in the quake, 
and 14,000 people are still without power. Governor Gavin Newsom has proclaimed a state of emergency for the county. Dozens of aftershocks continue to rattle the Ferndale area, which is about 260 miles north of the San Francisco Bay Area. Union City is a community of 69,000, about 25 miles southeast of San Francisco. Magnitude measures the energy released at the source of the earthquake, the U.S. Geological Survey says. It replaces the old Richter scale. Quakes between 2.5 and 5.4 magnitude are often felt but rarely cause much damage, according to Michigan Tech. Quakes below 2.5 magnitude are seldom felt by most people. Quote, the world will see the very class whom they have mocked and derided and desired to exterminate pass unharmed through pestilence, tempest, and earthquake. He who is to the transgressors of his law a devouring fire is to his people a safe pavilion. Great Controversy, page 654. Next, Pope, Jews and Christians can pave the way for peace. Welcoming 200 members of the Executive Committee of the World Jewish Congress, WJC, led by its president, Ronald S. Lauder, on Tuesday, Pope Francis said the common religious heritage of Jews and Christians should be seen as an incentive to act together for a more fraternal and peaceful world. Ongoing Dialogue In his address, the Pope recalled that from the Second Vatican Council, the organization has been in dialogue with the Commission for Religious Relations with the Jews, and noted that their visit testifies to and strengthens the bonds of friendship between the Holy See and the Jewish communities. A Common Religious Heritage he noted that the Jews and Christians not only profess faith in the one maker of heaven and earth, who created every human being in his own image and likeness, and has revealed himself to humanity, but also share a similar outlook on the final things shaped by trust that on the journey of life we are not advancing towards nothingness, but towards an encounter with the Most High who cares for us. While there may be different conceptions in Judaism and Christianity about how this fulfillment will come about, the consoling promise that we share remains, he said. Working Together for Peace and Fraternity The religious heritage that Christians and Jews share should therefore be regarded as an incentive to act together to make the world more fraternal, combating forms of inequality and promoting greater justice so that peace will not remain an outwardly promise, but become a present reality in our world. Quote, Common and concrete initiatives aimed at promoting justice call for courage, cooperation, and creativity, Pope Francis further noted. As the world continues to be marred by war, which he reiterated is a defeat for all humanity, the Pope hence called for a joint effort to pave the way for peace. The Sacrilegious War in Ukraine He referred again in particular to the great sacrilegious war waging on in Ukraine, which he noted, quote, threatens Jews and Christians alike, depriving them of their loved ones, their homes, their property, and their very lives. As Jews and Christians, let us seek to do all that is humanly possible in order to put an end to war and to pave paths of peace. Concluding, Pope Francis thanked the delegation for the visit, 
expressing the wish that the Most High may lead Jews and Christians together in the way of peace. The World Jewish Congress The World Jewish Congress represents Jewish communities and organizations in 100 countries around the world, advocating on their behalf towards governments, parliaments, international organizations, and other faiths. Since its foundation in 1936, the WJC has been at the forefront of fighting for the rights of Jews, advocating for justice for Holocaust victims and their heirs, and countering resurgent anti-Semitism and the delegitimization of Israel. For decades, the WJC has maintained privileged relations with the Holy See in developing dialogue with the Roman Catholic Church. The Congress is also engaged in fostering interfaith relations with other Christian churches, representatives of Islamic communities, and other faiths. Quote, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Revelation 17.5 Next, tremors continue to jolt Northern California following deadly earthquake. A 3.3 magnitude earthquake shook the San Francisco Bay Area hours after an earlier tremor and days after a deadly Northern California trembler, the U.S. Geological Survey reports. The three-mile-deep quake hit near Union City at 6.22 p.m. Wednesday, December 21, according to the USGS. About 1,600 people from as far away as Chico and Los Banos reported feeling the tremor to the agency. Quote, a little shaking in the East Bay just a few moments ago, wrote one resident on Twitter. Felt it here in Union City, big jolt, read another post. That was quite a quick quake in Union City, a third Twitter post read. The earthquake follows a 2.9 magnitude tremor north of San Leandro, east of Oakland, at 8.30 a.m. Wednesday morning, felt by more than 1,000 people. A 6.4 magnitude tremor struck about 8 miles west of the small city of Ferndale, population 1,400, in Humboldt County at 2.30 a.m. Tuesday, December 20, the Sacramento Bee reported. Two people died and a dozen were hurt in the quake, and 14,000 people are still without power. Governor Gavin Newsom has proclaimed a state of emergency for the county. Dozens of aftershocks continue to rattle the Ferndale area which is about 260 miles north of the San Francisco Bay Area. Union City is a community of 69,000, about 25 miles southeast of San Francisco. Magnitude measures the energy released at the source of the earthquake, the U.S. Geological Survey says. It replaces the old Richter scale. Quakes between 2.5 and 5.4 magnitude are often felt but rarely cause much damage, according to Michigan Tech. Quakes below 2.5 magnitude are seldom felt by most people. Quote, The world will see the very class whom they have mocked and derided and desired to exterminate pass unharmed through pestilence, tempest, and earthquake. He who is to the transgressors of his law a devouring fire is to his people a safe pavilion. Great Controversy, page 654. Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. 
I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.